Welcome into the 7 o'clock hour of Sports Talk. Steve Geller along with Charlie Long hanging out with you. Till the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to get into some Super Bowl talk. Getting in with the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49er beat writers. Checking in with them, getting the whole feel of the city there. And obviously expectations for both squads heading into this matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs opening up as two-point underdogs, Charlie. Someone, I think I saw earlier that there was a million-dollar money line bet placed for San Francisco, which we'll do pick six next week, which right. will only be pick one. <laughs> but if you're that confident in putting a million dollars against Patrick Mahomes, more power to you. I don't think I would ever do that. Uh, talking about some of the Pelicans news we heard uh, in the Sports Flash, obviously Willie Green talking about another tough loss for this squad in Boston where they, they came out with a great start. They were leading by, I think, 10 at half. Uh, as much as 17 in the game, but ended up uh, disastrously losing once again. And it's just real disappointing, obviously, Charlie. these The good opponents, this team's not able to put away, and the not-so-great opponents, at least, they are able to beat. Same song and dance, unfortunately. I, I mean, it was a story that we've seen multiple times this year. Now, you go to Houston tomorrow night, and Houston's a team that you've lost to twice this year. Right. Which, let me double check. I think it's been by a combined five points, if I'm not mistaken. It's been um, the first game, yeah, the first game they lost in Houston by three points on November 10th, and then in December, you lost that second matchup by two. So you've lost two heartbreakers to this Rocket squad. They're part of that statistic that everyone keeps kind of rehashing, that the Pelicans are either 0-6 or 0-7 in games decided by three or fewer points. Uh, the the Rockets are a big reason for that. Uh, the Grizzlies are as well. They lost a couple heartbreakers to Memphis, but they got to get over the hump and beat this Rockets squad. They got two more chances to do it. They have this game tomorrow night, and then they play them in February, but this is a divisional game, uh, a team in Houston that's a couple games back of you in the standings, but with your three-game slide, you've now fallen tied with the Dallas Mavericks in the Southwest, so uh, they got to they gotta figure it out quick. How quickly we forget that the Saint, uh, the Saints, the Pelicans' last win was a game against Utah when they broke the franchise record for points scored, and now I don't know they're, they're having problems lighting up the scoreboard. Right? Did we did we get rid of all use all our points up in that one matchup? I don't know. It's like a week ago. Steve. I know, right? I, I, well, I mean, I was at the Smoothie King Center <laughs> as well for that that sec, that game against Oklahoma City on Friday, where. Uh, yeah, it felt like they definitely used up all their points against Utah because they had a season low in points with 83 and a 24-point loss to the Thunder. Yeah, that was unfortunately the game I texted you. I'm like, Luka has 10 points less than the entire Pelicans team. Yeah, when Luka went for, what was it, 72 points right. or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, that would have been nice to see, the uh, you know, but the Pelicans struggling right now, Steve. They got to break that streak, and they got to do it against a team that they've already lost to twice. Uh, and both of those games, I mean, down to the wire, clutch time. That's where the Pelicans have struggled all year long. They got to figure out how to get back in the win column because this three game slide has dropped them from fifth to eighth in the Western Conference. No, the good thing, though, in the Western Conference, things can change rapidly. But yeah, you don't want to be digging that hole. Uh, it seems like the same time of year again, just like last season, where this team's having a rough patch. Hopefully, though, obviously they can stay healthy, uh, which has been the case. But uh, too many guys have just gotten cold from you know shooting wise, uh, especially really disappointing guy like Trey Murphy. Uh, I I don't know what's happened with him, Charlie. He needs something. Uh, we got to go visit the the voodoo priestess or something to to shake something up with him. Yeah, he's in a slump. I mean, a lot of the team has been recently. C.J. McCollum was in a slump as well because he he got off to a great start to the season outside of you know his collapsed lung, which seems 
a lot more significant right? than than what I'm making it out to be. But in the games that he played early on in the season, CJ McCollum was excellent. Uh, but more recently, he's kind of struggled a little bit. But you're looking at the schedule, Steve. You go to Houston. You got to pick up a win in Houston. I know that Houston's better at home than they are on the road. But this is a team that you know you're about three and a half games in front of in the standings. You want to keep it that way. You don't want them to start trying to gain ground on you uh, because right now you're in the playing race and you got to get back into the yeah. top six. I, I, I think all fans and probably the team too. It's like it's it's enough of the play and stuff. I'm glad that the NBA has it, but this team needs to make the play off, not yeah, the play be a in. Top six seed. That, right. That's where you got to be. I mean. A top four would be outstanding. You can host a first round series, but if you're looking at the top of the West and you're seeing, you know, Minnesota and Oklahoma City and Denver and the Clippers, the Pelicans aren't going to jump any of those teams. I don't think, unless something drastic were to change and they just go on a crazy run in the second half of the season. But getting out of that play-in race is still possible. You can still get that top six seed. Uh, and be the, either the fifth or the sixth spot in the West because you're competing with more teams like Sacramento, who you've owned this year, or Dallas, who you split the season series with. But, I mean, they're kind of in the similar spot as you are. So uh, it, it's a lot more feasible for the Pelicans to get a five or six spot and be out of the play-in tournament than top four seed and host a first-round series. Some positive news for this Pell squad, Charlie. Dyson Daniels and Jordan Hawkins selected today to be part of the Panini Rising Stars game, which will take place on Friday, February 16th in Indianapolis as part of the all-star festivities for this season. Unfortunately, though, there are no starters, no no, uh, Pelicans players on the NBA all-star roster. Yeah, it's not too surprising if you look at the shot distribution from their three. Yeah, I was going to say, if there was a Pell, who would it be? Probably CJ, just based off of how he played at the start of the year. But even then, CJ hasn't played very well recently. I don't like BI's been in an extended slump. You were talking about slumps with Trey. Yeah. Brandon's, Brandon hasn't played well. Uh, Zion at times has struggled uh, to break 15 points. Uh, the Pelicans don't have an all star this year. It's nice to see that they have rising star players like Dyson and Hawkins. I'm super happy that Hawkins is getting his respect because he went basically a couple weeks without playing. Uh, but when he was on the court, when he gets playing time from Willie Green and the coaching staff, he's been outstanding, especially as a sharpshooter. Dyson Daniels is an interesting case because he's a defensive first combo guard, but you haven't seen the development from his offensive game just yet, and that's a little I don't want to say disturbing necessarily, but it's a, a little nerve-wracking considering where you drafted him. You drafted him right. eighth overall uh, just a couple of years ago, and, and he's still young. He's 20 years old from Australia, so he's given him time to develop, and I'd be I'd be okay with that. Um, but it just shows how the rest of the league views him as a defensive first combo guard that he's in that Rising Stars Challenge. Going to get into our Super Bowl preview coming up after the break. Going to start things off with executive producer and host on the Kansas City Chiefs radio network, Dan Israel, talking KC when we get back right here on WWL. A flip by Richie James Jr. That means this game is over, and you can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs being the AFC champions for the fourth time in five seasons. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. 
That's the call right there from the Kansas City Chiefs radio network after a 17-10 victory over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC title game. Steve Geller along with Charlie Long hanging out with you here on WWL. How come, How happy to welcome in Dan Israel, executive producer and host for the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. How you doing today, Dan? Good, guys. How are you doing? We are doing fantastic, man. Another heck of a game from... Uh, the guy that everyone, I guess, keeps writing off and keeps uh, doubting, uh, Patrick Mahomes, lives up to the hype once again, outdueling uh, the would-be MVP, I think, for this season in Lamar Jackson. But yeah, just another heck of a showing from Mahomes and able able to get the job done again and heading to another Super Bowl. Yeah, it's really been <laughs> kind of a surreal experience the last six years. <laughs> you feel like you're living in a dream world, right? I spent I'm in my 35th year. For 27 of those, I had one AFC championship appearance. That was in 93 when Joe Montana got knocked out against the Bills. Nothing till then. And now for the last four out of five seasons, we've we've headed to the Super Bowl. So it's pretty amazing. And I'll tell you, I was a little surprised after the Chiefs went into Buffalo and were able to defeat the Bills. I was a little surprised to hear the narrative again the following week, which was Chiefs aren't going to be able to beat the Ravens on the road. But that defense, man, if you ever needed proof of the Axum defense wins championships, I just feel like uh, you saw it Sunday. And two really good defenses, they held us to 17. Unfortunately for them, the Chiefs held the Ravens to just 10. So, But uh, outstanding game. Uh, I thought it was entertaining, and Mahomes just was electric. Yeah, you mentioned the Chiefs' defense there. Obviously, Steve Spagnuolo's done a heck of a job uh, getting that unit. It might be the best uh, that Patrick Mahomes has had to work with in his career, and just t- like what what has come about with them? What is it the able to putting the pressure on the quarterback, stopping the run, the ability to create takeaways? What's really uh, this Chiefs defense thrived off of this season? You know, I think it's two things. I think it's the front four. They they are able to get pressure on the quarterback. They're not doing necessarily high sack numbers. They have good sack numbers, but not the highest in the league. And they have. Uh, you know, fairly low turnover ratio for guys that are as physical as those front four guys are. And But I think the one thing they're able to do is they put just enough pressure on the quarterback to mess with that timing. And as you guys know, you mess with the quarterback's timing and things can fall apart really quickly. And, and what you end up with in a guy like Lamar Jackson is he uses his legs to kind of recover from, which is he's fantastic at. There's no question at that. But I feel like they were so physical getting on sacking him and kind of chasing him down. He, he busted a few and he was good, man. I mean, that pass to himself was something else. (laughs) Justin Reed was in perfect position to catch that thing. And Lamar Jackson just said, I'm fast and I can get there first. And he did. And I mean, you got to give him credit for, for how he plays. And I think as Lamar Jackson has proven this year, it's probably his best year. You know, it's not going to surprise anybody if he gets that MVP. But I just don't think they have the kind of team where you can put it on one guy's back like that. I don't. I'm not sure why they didn't run the football, especially given that the first play from scrimmage was Gus Edwards gashing us for about 15 right over the middle. I think part of that's the Chiefs uh, adjusting throughout the game. That's the way Spagnuolo does that. And I think the other part is that they're not used to trailing. They're used to playing with a lead. But nevertheless, man, I just thought it was an outstanding defensive effort. And I personally think uh, – I just think Steve Spagnuolo is a genius. I actually – I gave him a big hug in the locker room, and I go, that was beautiful. And he goes, no, nah, that was ugly. I said, ugly? What game were you watching? Because 
the game I saw was something else, but uh, it's really been amazing to watch that defense this year. I, it's probably, again, I've had a lot of done 800 football games, man. I had Bill Cowher's defense in the 90s, and, you know, I just feel like that's probably the best defense I've ever been a part of. Dan, you, I mean, you mentioned for the last five years in the Super Bowl, the one year that they fell short in the AFC Championship game to Burrow. I mean, 14-3 and three in the playoffs for Mahomes in his six-year career speaks for itself. Right, but if you're yeah. looking at this year's run, you kind of mentioned the two road games back to back in Buffalo and then Baltimore. You started off with that snow game. I mean, the ice bowl conditions against Miami in Kansas City, and then you hit the road and you take down two elite quarterbacks in Josh Allen and then Lamar Jackson just this past weekend. I mean, where does this kind of run to the Super Bowl rank for you in this last half decade? Well, I mean, if you look at the last six years, uh, it's. it's Mahomes has been a starter. He's made the AFC Championship. That's rarefied air for sure. But I think uh, when you think about the two games, you mentioned the the Cincinnati game a couple of years ago where Burrow came into Arrowhead and got it. It happened in 2018, Mahomes' first year as a starter. Tom Brady came in with the Patriots. Both those games were overtime losses. That's how close he's been to six straight Super Bowls. It's phenomenal. And I just think the combination of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and you got to throw in Travis Kelsey too because – uh, he's why I would say he didn't have a Kelsey like regular season. He is certainly playing like that in the postseason, and and so the, th- the combination of those three is just you know in my mind really incredible. And I also think one thing we saw last week was that home field advantage is important. But I'll tell you, I almost value experience more than that home field advantage. I think Amen. the experience of Chiefs being in so many games, getting to Super Bowls offsetting the 28 of the 53-man Ravens roster won their first playoff game just a week prior to playing us. So I think that experience is just so valuable. Dan, looking at last game against the Ravens, did the Chiefs escape pretty uh, scot-free injury-wise? Um, banged up a little bit. Certainly uh, the defensive line is probably about as beat up as they could be, but that's the beautiful thing about you know having two weeks here to kind of recover. Uh, hopefully some of those guys will come back. I, it was interesting. I, I was talking with George Karloftis in the locker room. We started walking towards the bus, and I said, man, do you need me to carry you? You are exhausted. <laughs> they they left so much on the field. I think Chris Jones was struggling there at the end to get up. I, I'm not quite sure if that's just that knee or if he was exhausted. But, man, I, I tell you guys, I think that two weeks is going to do us well. I, I didn't follow the 49ers close enough to – to really know what's going on with them. I'm studying them this week. But I know Debo Samuel obviously is feeling the same way, man. That He needs some time to recover. But they're going to go out. We're going to – you know, we talked about experience a second ago. 49ers, they have a bunch of the guys that we played in the 2019 Super Bowl 54 that are coming back. They'll be there. And so they have experience too. Not so with Brock Purdy, but a lot of the other guys do. So it's going to be an interesting matchup in a couple of weeks here in Vegas. So one of the things that we saw in the NFC Championship game, and this is a little bit of an early preview for uh, the Super Bowl, obviously, was Detroit being able to run the football against San Francisco, specifically in the first half, but really all game long. I mean, they finished uh, with a total of 182 rushing yards against that 49ers vaunted defense. I mean, is that going to be a key with Isaiah Pacheco and getting that rushing attack going early and often in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I hope so. You know, I really thought the Ravens game would kind of come down to the running backs and it didn't. And it, it, look, if you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey and Shanahan doesn't get him the ball somehow. I mean, he needs to be taken out and in question in front of the public because I just don't, you know, the chiefs, unfortunately, I love that defense. I love it. But one of the things they're weak at is stopping the run, not saying they can't stop the run, but it's not their strong suit. The secondary is amazing. I think Trip McDuffie at cornerback 
and a luxurious needed quarterback are the best tandem cornerbacks in the National Football League. Justin Reed is a great safety, and you've got those front four that I mentioned. Plus, I mean, I love our linebackers. You know, Nick Bolton's been a beast. Hopefully, Willie Gay Jr. will be back. He'll be healthy. And I'll tell you the one surprising guy out of this entire season has been true, Drew Tranquil. I do not know, guys, how the San Diego, how the Los Angeles Chargers let him out of their locker room. He's he's amazing. He's got the heart of gold. He works hard. He studies hard. And, man, is another guy that leaves it on the field. He reminds me of Jamal Charles like that. But uh, the the run is certainly the weakest part of their defense. So I think if the 49ers don't give it to McCaffrey, uh, somebody needs to, you know, call an inquisition. I was going to say, uh, early scouting report, obviously, uh, tons of time. Uh, you know, we got this week the Pro Bowl, then next week the big show in Las Vegas happening. But to you, what are the biggest keys going to be for this Kansas City Chiefs squad uh, going up against this uh, 49ers squad? Obviously, we know led by Christian McCaffrey, even though Brock Purdy gets a lot of attention. Yeah, and I probably shortchanged, you know, in your last question, you asked me about Isaiah Pacheco. And, and let me tell you, for a guy, I mean, this kid runs like he is just <laughs> pissed off at the ground, man. <laughs> right. It's like he wants to punish it or something. What the grass do to you? Uh, he is, and he's got an energy that starts on the bus on the way to the stadium. You know how those locker there's you need those locker room guys. You need those guys that get everybody amped up and whose engines never turn off. And, and Pacheco is that. So I do think that he's going to be a key in this game. If they're able to rely on him, and he's been a little banged up. He's had a little toe and, I think, ankle issue. But I, I feel like with Pacheco, once he gets out on the field, he forgets he's injured. It's like it just goes away. So hopefully he'll be out there. And I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see a day where it's McCaffrey versus versus uh, Pacheco. I also think one of the weaknesses, and I, and I hate, I don't want this to sound like I'm denigrating uh, Brock Purdy because I'm not. He is a Chiefs Kingdom guy. He went to school in Iowa. He grew up around this area. A lot of people follow him in the Kansas City area. But he's only had two years as a starter. And when you're talking about playing a guy like Steve Spagnolo, who is so gifted at disguising defenses, I just feel like they'll fare better against Brock Purdy than they would have against Goff. Jared Goff's been in the league a number of years uh, more, and I think that he would have been easier to recognize the defenses than Brock is going to. Now, with that said, Purdy, when he's on fire, we saw it in the second half. I don't know what made him come alive in the second half, but he did, right? And that's the mark of a champion. I think that's the one thing that, you know, they've got going for for Brock Purdy. So I think another matchup to look for is Brock Purdy against Steve Spagnuolo. I I just really feel like that that's going to be a chess match to watch in and of itself. And then finally, I think it's just the Mahomes-Kelsey-Reed thing. When they're cooking, man, and – the you know these guys just seem so unbelievable in playoff games and none bigger than the Super Bowl. Uh, you know each with three appearances, each with you know two rings. Uh, I feel like you know they're just going to be. I don't I don't care what the 49ers defense has been touted. They're going to find it hard. I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick story. One day I went down to Mahomes in the locker room after a game. And he and Kelsey had this phenomenal day. I said, listen on that. 23 blasts left. I go, look, at practice, Kelsey always cuts right there. Why did he cut left? Hmm. And Mahomes tells me, I, I'm not sure. I just I felt like he was going to cut left, so that's where I threw it. So I walked straight from his locker to Kelsey's locker, and I said, hey, what made you cut left on that instead of right? And he goes, I don't know. I just felt like Mahomes was going to throw it <laughs> left, so I cut left. 
He's like, how do you defend that? They're the only two guys on the field that know what's going on. So I feel like that's going to be something to watch as well. If they play the way they're capable of playing, it's going to be a challenge for Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey to keep up, I think. Awesome stuff, Dan. Appreciate the time. I know you're very busy. Enjoy it all. Uh, I'm sure you're used to the whole the madness leading up to the Super Bowl, but uh, sure, it never gets old either. I'm used to the madness with the exception of the Taylor Swift equation. Thanks, guys. Appreciate being on with you. Thanks, Thank Dan. you. That's uh, Dan Israel, executive producer and host for the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Next up, we'll get some San Fran insight, talking to Believe in 49ers podcast host Tommy Cole right here on WWL after the break. Well, just one second to go. Look at Trent Williams, T-Rock. I'm so happy for him. Brandon Ayuk's going to his oh, first Super on. Bowl. Come on. Christian McCaffrey's going to his first Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's going, going to, to his, his first, first Super Bowl. Bowl. Just back up here, Brock. Take one or two steps back. Back up. Go down. It's over. The Niners are going to Vegas. That's the call from the San Francisco 49ers radio network after they beat the Detroit Lions 34-31 in the NFC Championship game, advancing to the Super Bowl. Happy to welcome in Tommy Call of the Believe in 49ers podcast to help us get ready for this matchup in Las Vegas. Tommy, how you been? Good, man. Excited. Getting ready for a Super Bowl. Appreciate you guys having me on. Definitely appreciate the time and just... uh, uh, what was your whole experience like in that game? Obviously, the Niners come out falling into a hole, but then able to fight back and end up taking down the Detroit Lions in a heck of a game decided by just three points. I think surprise. You know, it, it was not a pretty performance by any means through those first two quarters. And I think we might have lost Tommy there. We'll try to get him back on the line. Sound like a bad phone connection. Hopefully we can get him back just getting into uh, the juice of what went on with the 49ers-Lions matchup. Uh, Hopefully uh, things are able to connect up with him. Uh, The Niners, though, yeah, ended up falling into an early run in that game. But, man, able to fight back, uh, you knew that it was going to be a tough one, and the Lions – just got a little too excited early on. We saw C.J. Gardner-Johnson celebrating uh, a little too early. Happy to welcome back in uh, Tommy to the huddle. Uh, sorry about that. We had a bad connection with you. You were talking about, obviously, uh, falling down early and able to come back for the 49ers, being surprised in that one. Yeah, I just felt like in that game how that script ran. A lot had to break the 49ers' way for them to come back from you know trailing by 17 and it just seemed like it all went to plan. I mean, everything that happened for the 49ers, it felt lucky, you know, and I know that's kind of a simple, easy way to do it, but the stops on fourth down and right away that kind of gave them momentum that they did not have the entire game. It gave the defense and, you know, it translated over the offense some juice and they were able to use that. And obviously, you know, the biggest play of the game comes on a 51 yard pass. It hits off a Lions defensive back face mask to right. goes into Brandon Ayuk's hands. I mean, it really was kind of, I mean, you guys watched a lot of football. It seemed like everything broke their way and all this kind of dumb stuff that could have helped the 49ers out really just did in that game. So I think that's why it's a more of a surprise. Like obviously they're a great team. They're, they've been a Super Bowl favorite for a long time now, but for them to get there that way was a little bit of a head scratcher. And all I can say is they're here now. How is Debo doing? I know he went into the game a little banged up, able to play, though, uh, and was obviously the key guy in the receiving game and uh, ended up contributing a little in the run game. I think, you know, Debo is 
he's not going to miss a big game. This right. guy is, has been so – we talk about a lot in, like, basketball and baseball, baseball when it comes to, like, pitchers and big games. Debo Samuel, in, the, in terms of the NFL, is kind of like that closer where he just arrives in these big moments. You know, if you need somebody to strike somebody out, it's going to be Debo Samuel for the 49ers, and that's why they get him the football and all these kind of – you know, short yardage situations, whether they get, they're getting into him behind the line of scrimmage. And obviously, you know, I thought he looked pretty well in that game. He looked – you couldn't tell he was really injured. And obviously, a serious shoulder injury that kept him out for a couple games earlier this season. So, we saw – and you know, now I think going into this one, especially with two weeks ahead, that's going to be a problem for the Chiefs. Uh, looking at, obviously, the running back uh... – that everybody is jealous of that you guys have over there on Christian McCaffrey. Uh, been a stud since coming over. Obviously, he's had some seasons with injuries, but this year, man, if there was ever a time for a running back to win the MVP award, to me, it is this season with McCaffrey, but I do feel like it's still going to end up going uh, to um, the Baltimore Ravens in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's fair, but it's funny, to, it's funny to talk about Christian McCaffrey with you guys because I think – you know, on my podcast and when we're writing about him, it's almost like he is an afterthought. And I know that kind of sounds silly, but he's just been so good. It's almost like machine-like because you just expect him to get 100 yards and a touchdown. And if he doesn't do that, it's almost like more of a surprise. And, you know, talking about him as a pass catcher and all these things, it's like, oh, Christian McCaffrey just had a long run. He just, you know, he just picked up a tough third down. He just punched in another one, two-yard touchdown. It seems like I could tell you the script of how the Super Bowl is going to start, where it's Christian McCaffrey, a two-yard touchdown run after he grinds them up the field. It seems like it's happened so much this season. and You know, covering him the last two years, it's crazy to think, but it's just like he's almost underappreciated because he's so good, because he is so absolutely automatic, I think, here locally. Uh, looking at some of the assistant coaches on the 49ers, the Saints have interest in quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy, uh, also uh, interested in Kubiak for their open offensive coordinator job. Just wondering if you've heard any rumblings on your side of things as any progress with that. I know things are pretty tight lip right now. Yeah, I mean, it would be a surprise if one of those guys didn't get a shot. You look around the league and anybody that's come from this Shanahan tree, he, he, he seems like one of these modern day coaches that we can say really has a tree around the NFL. Everybody wants a piece of that. And, you know, Brian Greasy, he's done a great job with Brock Purdy. So of course you'd want a piece of that. But I do think obviously if there's going to be a play, if there's going to be a coach on the 49er staff right now, I do think Clinton Kubiak is a guy, you know, if I was a fan of one of these teams, I would definitely be interested in his services. Obviously you got the bloodlines there, but a guy that's proven and who's come from that Shanahan offensive mind. I mean, that's kind of the hottest ticket in the game right now, it seems like. Tommy, kind of looking at the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers, they were elite all season long, the number three scoring defense entering the postseason. I, I mean, if you're looking at the final four teams, you're looking at three of the best scoring defenses in the NFL. Uh, but you're looking at the 49ers defense in the first two games that they played in the postseason against Green Bay and then just this past weekend against Detroit. They've been a little bit porous against the run. I want to get your thoughts on that and what's happened with their run defense because uh, they've averaged giving up 159 yards per game. And, I mean, Detroit was running all over them in the first half. They obviously locked them down in the second half, but it's been kind of an issue there. I agree. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, a, it's one of the few, you know, question marks when, you go, when you're heading into the Super Bowl that you look at this team and go, how can you hurt them? And it seems like the run game is, is a definitely a spot. And I think 
the defense as a whole. I mean, Dre Greenlaw against the Packers saved them with two interceptions. Then this game, like we talked about, kind of all the wonky stuff that broke their way. But the defense as a whole, I think, has been a little bit underwhelming, especially in the playoffs. And two guys that have played at an all-pro level, Pro Bowl level, whatever you want to call it, and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead, they've gotten pushed around a little bit on the inside. And I think also, you know, the 49ers have been mi- missing one of their star safeties, Hufanga, in the back seven now for a couple weeks. And in terms of just the role of physicality he brings, you're talking about a young player, Jair Brown, who's been playing safety for them. That back end is getting pushed around. You saw the Packers wide receivers, the Lions, you know, on the edge have some success really kind of pushing around those guys, um, you know, in the back seven of the 49ers defense and not necessarily worrying about the guys on the interior and the Nick Boses and things like that. Just trying to get to that second level. I mean, it is a cause for concern, but, um, Hopefully in this one against the Chiefs, you know, that front seven that's been so dominant with Armstead and Bosa and Chase Young, they just have not clicked yet in the playoffs. And they haven't really got going. Obviously, Bosa had two sacks against the Lions, but there's just been something missing. There's, it's just not looked right. And so hopefully over these next two weeks, and we're going to see something a little bit different here in the Super Bowl, but it's definitely a question mark. It feels like that's kind of the key for this matchup in the Super Bowl is getting pressure on Pat Mahomes for the 49ers because, I mean, you look at what happened with Buffalo, they weren't really able to do it. And then, more surprisingly, the team with the most sacks all season long, the Ravens weren't really able to do it either. The pass pro for Kansas City has been really stellar, and it seems like San Francisco's pass rush has been kind of slumping recently. They just got to turn that around in the Super Bowl. I think it's a huge key. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. I think it's it's a huge problem is what it is because I don't think the 49ers, they've gotten by with their secondary and and Charveris Mooney Ward has played amazing all year, absolutely deserving of the all pro nod, but outside of him in the secondary, it has been a lot of hot and cold. It's been a lot of up and down. And when the 49ers, you know, they, they had their losing streak. And if you want to say there's a way to expose them, it's to test that secondary They're They are prone to giving up a big play. And if the defensive line is not getting home, that defense as a whole is predicated on that defensive line and getting to the quarterback. They don't have a great secondary because there's so much money invested into that front seven. And so if Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, guys I've mentioned, are not getting there, it leaves that secondary open for damage. And it would be you know, a shock to see Pat Mahomes and these guys, Travis Kelsey, not necessarily test that. So, yeah, I think the 49ers could be in for a long day if, if they are not getting to Mahomes early and often in a couple weeks here. Yeah, Mahomes uh, 3-0 and against this 49ers team, uh, twice in the regular season, once in the Super Bowl. For you, what is the key to the Niners finally solving that riddle? Yeah, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think what is something similar to what I alluded to is, you know, getting Tim, but that's kind of right. obvious. But I also think playing a little bit of keep away. This team has been, you know, through the playoffs, they've counted on Brock Purdy twice to kind of lead a comeback. They've needed two comebacks. But this team plays at best when they are, you know, a front runner. They, they like getting out of the gate early and getting to a lead. And we haven't seen that really yet in the playoffs at all. And so I think – if, you know, we're watching this game and it starts off 7-0 in favor of the 49ers, just say they get a stop on the first drive and they are um, driving, probably feeling a little bit better about this game as a whole. I think we're going to decide, you know, we're going to figure out how this game is going to go very early because, like I said, if Christian McCaffrey can wear on you and you're limiting, you know, 
putting so much pressure on Brock Purdy. And hey, he's delivered. He's right. delivered. But how much? How much are we going to test that? How much are we going to test that? Because the reason the 49ers have gotten this far is because they've been able to just grind on teams with McCaffrey and run, giving the ball. You know, Brock Purdy's at his best when he's playing a point guard role, you know, and, and he's dishing it to guys like Debo Samuel and letting them do their things. That has been the recipe that's gotten them this far. And, you know, kind of leading on these comebacks and, and Chase, it's exciting, but uh, it's a little stressful, I think, for 49er fans. I think everybody would be a lot more comfortable seeing some early dosages of Christian McCaffrey, and I think that could be a key in this one. Tommy, my last one for you, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's made it to the big game multiple times. He hasn't won yet. He hasn't broken through. I, you remember 2016, the the Falcons and the 28-3 to choke against the Patriots, and then 2019, the 49ers up. This is the rematch. The 49ers are up early on in that game against the Chiefs, and then Chiefs make a comeback late. Uh, the two NFC Championship game losses, first to the Rams and then second to the Eagles. He's back in. He's trying to break through finally. I mean, you almost – got the feeling when Detroit got off to that super hot start that it was going to happen again to this guy. Uh, Shanahan's been praised, and rightfully so, as the best offensive mind in the NFL as a head coach. Uh, how does he finally break through and win his first Super Bowl? That's a million-dollar question right there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think obviously the kind of the X factor to this is, you know, and this guy we haven't really got the chance to talk about yet, but is Brock Purdy. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have talked about you can put whatever – you know, narrative or name, game manager, um, system quarterback, something like that. I think for the first time, Kyle Shanahan, whatever you want to call it, he has full and absolute trust in Brock Purdy. And they're going to let that offense be open. You know, we've seen Kyle Shanahan take the ball away from Jimmy Garoppolo, only letting him pass, you know, less than 10 times in the NFC Championship. You know, the, re- the way they punched their ticket to the Super Bowl last time was on the back of Raheem Mostert in a, in a historic performance against the Packers. And now you look at this game and you, the, how they got there was behind Brock Purdy. I don't think Kyle Shanahan has necessarily had a guy that, whatever you want to talk about skill-wise, that he trusts. And if you want to say he's a system quarterback in Kyle Shanahan, well, he's really broken open that system because I've never really seen an offense operate like they have until Brock Purdy really took over. And I think that's a lot to do with just flat-out trust. He has his guy, and that is Brock Purdy. And I think, you know, they're going to kind of live and die by that. And I think Kyle Shanahan, maybe for the first time, is, is comfortable. Is comfortable with that. A lot of great info, Tommy. Appreciate the time and enjoy the build-up to the big hype in Las Vegas, my man. I appreciate it, guys. Let's get it, boys. Super Bowl time. Thanks, Nothing Tommy. like it. Tommy Call, Believe in 49ers podcast host. You can check out his work there. We'll be back after the break to wrap up Sports Talk right after this here on WWL. Closing up shop here on Sports Talk, a Tuesday edition. Tomorrow on Sports Talk with me, Bobby Bear, and Mike Dettelier checking in on the latest from the Senior Bowl with Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. That'll be 520. We'll talk about what positions the black and gold need to address in the upcoming draft. Plus, we'll welcome in LSU gymnastics coach Jay Clark to the radio huddle at 620. Also talk about can the slumping Pelicans close out the month with a win in Houston. Huddle up with me, Bobby, and Mike Dettelier tomorrow 4 to 8 on WWL and the Odyssey app. Of course, also Charlie Alone running master control and then he'll be taking off for a little r&r uh happy to have everybody on the show today thanks for joining the discussion and be talking to you more tomorrow right here on wwl have a great night who dads a later night